Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including some NFL leftovers, Super Bowl 54 and otherwise, Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton and otherwise. As you see and read and hear speculation about him being in a different uniform at the NFL level for the first time this coming season, he doesn't sound like a guy who is thinking in those terms. In his public statements, neither does Panthers owner David Tepper. Could things be much different behind the scenes? Of course they could, but we have Cam Newton in his own words for you today, along with some other NFL leftovers. That is a phrase I throw around casually, but in all seriousness, a little chicken soup for your sports soul today. I have a story literally about Super Bowl leftovers. Like, what happens to all the ready-made food that all the rich people in the luxury boxes don't get around to eating? Seriously, for decades, like tens of thousands of pounds worth of perfectly good food would go to waste. You want to talk about an NFL leftover story? I mean, I've got seriously the NFL leftover story for you today. Elsewhere, college basketball is on our mind. National Signing Day Part 2 in college football is on our mind. Mac Brown has a consensus top 20 class nationally and one of the best classes in the ACC beyond, of course, Dabo Sweeney and those Clemson Tigers. Coach Brown joins us live in less than 30 minutes. We'll talk signing day and other things. Tomorrow, he and I will be at the same event in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mac is the winningest coach in the history of UNC football. They're actually honoring another of the winningest coaches in the history of UNC football. It's the Coach Bill Dooley Education Foundation Luncheon. For the record, it is sold out. Best I can tell, it's because I am the master of ceremonies for that event. Just kidding. Mac Brown is the featured speaker. I get to introduce him. I also get to interview him by phone today. We will hang out for a few hours together in person tomorrow in the great port city of Wilmington. Look forward to seeing a lot of listeners there. I'm leaving right after the show, so I'll be down there tonight. I'll be down there in the morning. And, of course, the big luncheon at Cape Fear Community College there in Wilmington. Mac Brown, again, the featured speaker. Our old friend John Bunting is going to introduce me. Then I babble on for a while, and then I introduce the featured speaker, Mac Brown. Mac live today on our show. A little later this hour, Mac live in Wilmington tomorrow at a great luncheon that honors a special foundation in memory of the great coach Bill, Bill Dooley, the late great coach, of course, his wife Marie, continuing his work with that event and others in the Port City. Lavelle Moten is going to drop by today. I have ACC basketball on my mind. We'll talk about some of the details of Duke squeaking by Boston College last night in Chestnut Hill. If you didn't watch that game, you might not understand if you only saw 63-55, man. Boston College was beating Duke at halftime. Coach K was really unhappy with his players' preparation and focus and toughness at times. You show up in Chapel Hill on Saturday with that kind of a casual, nonchalant, laissez-faire attitude? I know the Heels are among the worst teams in this league. I know Duke, and I believe Duke to be the very best. They're behind, behind Louisville in the national rankings and the ACC standings. But I believe Duke has the highest ceiling of all. And y'all know I've been on the Louisville bandwagon, too, since last summer. 
you got to show up as yourself, home and away, even if you're young, if you want to avoid the getting bitten disease that is all over college basketball. Of course, that happened to Duke at home against Stephen F. Austin. It happened at, against uh, Clemson at Clemson. Louisville's loss was a different story for the Blue Devils. That's just two heavyweights going at it. May the better men win. Duke flirted with disaster last night, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that Coach K had been worried about in four very different ways. As we look forward to Lavelle Moten, who has taken NC Central to four of the last six NCAA tournaments, in all of those cases, of course, as the MEAC champion, he is well positioned to make another run at March Madness this year. Who are the two best teams in the MEAC? Well, you might have said Norfolk State about a week ago. Well, guess what happened? Norfolk State visited our great state. First, North Carolina A&T, and the Aggies beat them. And then earlier this week, NC Central, and the Eagles beat them. So the new pecking order in that league is A&T 1, Central 2. And with Lavelle Moten in charge, you have to think the Eagles have a great chance of making it five of the last seven NCAA tournaments. He's been the focus of feature articles recently at ESPN.com. Just today, I saw a post by Myron Medcalf, I think it was. A little bit earlier, it was at TheUndefeated.com. Coach Moten's not allowed to talk about recruits by name, but did you know NC Central became the first Division I school officially to offer LeBron James's son a scholarship to play basketball? And Lavelle, remember, knows LeBron personally. We're going to ask Lavelle about the late Kobe Bryant as well. I'm not sure I know a person with a more diverse contact list than Lavelle Moten. I mean, if there was a star player in your age, he knows that guy personally. If he, there's a star player today, he knows that guy personally. If there was star players in between, coaches as well, Coach K, Roy Williams, Lavelle Moton's been there, done that, and knows them all. Entertainers too. Isn't it boys to men? Aren't the, isn't that uh, group of performers his childhood friends? New edition. I'm sorry, new, new edition. edition. Yeah. New edition was, was uh, the guys that told him he was gonna, they were going to make it big, and he rolled his eyes. And the next thing you know, new addition. He probably knows Boyz II Men, too, though. Yeah, he probably like, does. Let's be real. He's got them all in his, in his uh, smartphone. Lavelle Moten live in our third, uh, second hour. Mac Brown live in our first hour. Dolan Cuff is going to drop by from ESPN and the ACC Network as well. We'll talk more ACC basketball with him. National Signing Day, college basketball in a lot of different ways. In four very different ways. Mike Krzyzewski of Duke. Roy Williams of UNC, Kevin Keats of NC State, which plays at Miami tonight, and Danny Manning of Wake Forest. The Deeks have a trip to Louisville tonight. That could get ugly. I believe all four of those guys, just in very different ways, are part-time therapists and psychologists with their players right now. And I'll explain why, but we're at that point in the season. Some may be wondering about their job status, some their bubble status. Roy Williams trying to avoid his first ever losing record as a college coach, even including his years as an assistant. Mike Krzyzewski, of course, in a much better place, but did not like what he saw for most of last night in Chestnut Hill. He calls it fighting human nature. Don't just settle for what human nature offers you you got to be bigger than that you got to be better than that and for a long time last night Duke was not that before getting the eight-point victory 
over the Eagles, one of the lesser teams in the ACC this season. The Carolina Hurricanes were humbled at St. Louis last night, 6-3 by the Blues, last year's Stanley Cup champion and this year's best team in the Western Conference by record. Are you panicking? Rod Brindamore is definitely unhappy. The Canes, at least for now, are out of playoff position. I'll offer more of my thoughts as we welcome yours. Mookie Betts, one of the best players in Major League Baseball, maybe the second best behind Mike Trout, is on the move from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. Darren Vaughn is the producer of this program, and he happens to be both a baseball guru and a fan of the Boston Red Sox. I'll add a third leg. He's the voice of USA Baseball. The man knows and loves this sport and has enjoyed. I mean, Darren, I don't, we don't have a lot of time for this right now. I'll let you really spill your guts later. Mookie Betts is in his prime. This is not the guy who once was something and you just ship him out because you need prospects or whatever. He's, in, he's right in his prime. Isn't he the second best behind Mike Trout? Yeah. I mean, Trout universally recognized as the best player in Major League Baseball. Mookie Betts is a really, really safe bet to be second. Right? In that race. And you ship him to the Dodgers? I hope you got a lot in return, man. This just doesn't – my mind's a little frazzled today in the same sport. And, Darren, I'll later welcome your thoughts on this as well. Pete Rose, yes, that guy, he has a new argument for why he should be removed from Major League Baseball's ineligible list, which would allow the all-time hits leader to be considered for the Hall of Fame. Now, he's 78 years old. He's been banned for more than three decades since I was a young guy. He has a new argument. Remember, he's run several others up the flagpole over the last few decades. When a commissioner changes, there's always a new argument. And then the new commissioner says, nah, I'm not buying that one either. Well, Rob Manfred rejected one argument a few years ago, the modern commissioner. He just got another one as that news came out. We'll get to the NFL, including Cam Newton, in his own words. Another Panthers veteran, Wes Horton. He's worn a Panthers uniform the last seven years in a row. He's retiring. Like, has anybody left? The owner has changed. The head coach has changed. The coordinators have changed. Luke Keekley retired. Greg Olson is moving on to something else. We're not sure Cam's coming back. Who's left? Thomas Davis is long gone. I mean, most of the most familiar faces. Charles Johnson, Julius Peppers retired last year. Like, who, who are the longest tenured guys that you know are going to be on the team next year? Ryan Khalil's gone. I mean, holy cow, there is just massive turnover as the Matt Rule era begins in Charlotte. Cam Newton sounds like a guy who thinks he will be and wants to be part of the Matt Rule era after these nine seasons, of course, after being number one overall under that Ron Rivera guy, now the head coach at Washington. We'll get to those Super Bowl leftovers with Cam in his own words. We'll get to Mookie Betts and Pete Rose and other baseball. We'll get to college hoops and why I think all four big four coaches are playing part-time therapists right now. A little Canes, if you like. We're talking about a big baseball trade. The Rockets are part of a huge trade. I think they're one of the half a dozen best teams in the NBA. The NBA's trade deadline is tomorrow. So there's this avalanche of baseball transactions, Mookie bets, and yet the Houston Rockets in a sport that has about 24 hours left before their deadline, not as many transactions to report yet, but the Rockets are a big part of one as they try to add 
to James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and the rest of that crew. You can jump in with your question or comment on any of those things. I'll give you a quick National Signing Day Part 2 update. We'll give you Cam Newton in his own words, and we'll welcome your calls. Duke over BC, NC State travels to Miami. Of course, Duke and Carolina resume their rivalry this coming Saturday. I'll get to other things, too, with your help. 1-800-849-2761. Mac Brown, in less than 20 minutes, your calls and my thoughts are next on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Mac Brown is going to join us here on National Signing Day Part 2. One quick fact from that chunk of the college football world. As we let you chime in on the Mookie Betts, Pete Rose, Coach K is mad at his Duke Blue Devils. NC State travels to Miami tonight. The NBA has its trade deadline tomorrow. The Canes took it on the chin at St. Louis last night. I have some chicken soup for the sports soul from you, NFL slash Super Bowl 54 leftovers. You can chime in on any of those things now at 1-800-849-2761. NC Central coach and former player superstar Lavelle Moton drops by second hour on College Hoops. Dolan Cuff from ESPN and the ACC Network will give us college hoops with more of an ACC flavor, both last night's game, tonight's games, and, of course, Duke at UNC in Chapel Hill on Saturday, a resumption of one of America's great sports rivalries. You can chime in on those or other things right now at 1-800-849-2761. Quickly on National Signing Day, as a young writer, I really did a lot on this. As a guy who's a little bit older now, I assign such articles to my staff much of the time. I revisited my recruiting writing roots, which I handled daily back in the 1990s and even beyond after we created accsports.com and the ACC Sports Journal. And I used to interview the kids themselves, and I used to be fascinated by how often the top prospects in the senior class here in North Carolina would leave the state. So sometimes Carolina would have good teams. Sometimes you, uh, NC State would have good teams. Sometimes Duke or Wake would have it rolling. You know, ECU was a conference champion at times in Conference USA, for example. Nowadays, App State is an FBS program for straight Sun Belt titles. Back then, the world was different. I mean, Charlotte didn't even have a football team, much less an FBS program. But I was struck by how often Alabama and Ohio State or, you know, back in the day, Florida State and Florida were superpowers, how often when they went after guys in their own backyard, they would sign those guys, and how often when our state's football coaches, even some good ones with some good programs to sell, how often those same top guys by our North Carolina high school ranks definition, top 10 or whatever you want to call it, how often they would just sign with Clemson or South Carolina or Virginia or Virginia Tech or back in the day it would be Bobby Bowden of Florida State signing some or Joe Paterno up at Penn State signing some. You know, Steve Spurrier would invade from the Florida Gators. It all depended on the era and the coach, but there were poachers. When Tennessee was on a roll, they would always get a couple of the top prospects from North Carolina. Of course, we border that state to our west, so it's not super far from home. So you know why guys would listen. But we live in a state, folks, where since going back to 1979, are there any in-state programs that have more than one ACC football title? 
1979 is getting closer to when I was born. You know how many we have since 1979? You ready? NC State has one ACC football title. It was in 1979. UNC has one. It was in 1980. Wake Forest has one. That was relatively recent, but now 14 years ago, 2006 under Jim Grobe, and Duke under Steve Spurrier shared an ACC title before they back before they had a championship game. So what would you say? That's three and a half, three and a half ACC football titles. We crank out ACC basketball titles and Final Fours and Sweet Sixteens and even national championships around here like they're cookies. In football, it's different, and part of the problem is not enough guys stay at home. This year, Mac Brown has changed that. Mac Brown, in the class of 2020, most signed in December, part one of the new signing day uh, process. Some are signing today, part two, on National Signing Day here in February. Mac Brown was able to sign eight of the top 20 players in the state. And really, you want the best of the best. Mac Brown was able to sign four of the top six players in the state and much the majority of the top 10. Four of the top six, five of the top 10, I should say, eight of the top 20. That is different than most of what we have witnessed in college football's national signing days in my 30-plus years covering it, and I think for most of your lifetimes, if you're older than that. Does it mean you're automatically going to win? Of course not. You still got to retain players, develop players, recruit out of the state, et cetera. But it's at least a sign that the Tar Heels are pointed in the right direction. Just as for years, Dave Doran took over at NC State, said, I'm focusing on in-state recruiting, and actually pulled the pendulum toward the Wolfpack for a while. I saw Chuck Amato do that at NC State, and guess what? He went on to the winningest season in the history of Wolfpack football that 11-win campaign of the early 2000s. I think those two things are related. So Chuck did well in-state, and then, of course, he came from Florida State, so he had a lot of connections in Florida. So it was do your best to get the best of the best here. We're not like Florida in terms of our high school football. We're not like Georgia or California or Texas either. We're not even like Ohio. But we're in the top 10 somewhere in the number of Power 5 signees or the number of future NFL players or however you want to measure it. North Carolina is a top 10 state in our population. North Carolina has become a top 10 state in producing NFL players, Power 5 players, and all the rest of those measuring sticks. Mac Brown, as he did at the end of the 80s and throughout the 90s, has the Tar Heels back on that map, has the Tar Heels back as the place to be. ESPN's number two player in the nation, meaning at any position, they have their ESPN 300 signed with the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, you see that in basketball, Duke or Carolina or somebody else, all the time. You don't see it a lot in football. So it's National Signing Day Part 2, and Mac Brown is front and center. He's going to join us in about five minutes here on the David Glenn Show. Again, most of the heavy lifting done leading into that December signing period that was adopted a couple years ago. But this is Part 2 of that process. For those who roll their eyes at recruiting, and we'll get to Mac Brown and then your calls later this hour. College basketball, a little Canes, a little NBA, Mookie Betts, Pete Rose, and the Super Bowl leftovers, Cam Newton in his own words as well. Quick reminder, decade after decade, every national champion has at least one top 10 recruiting class on its roster when they win the national championship. So you are correct if you say there's all sorts of no-name recruits who turn out well. You are correct. You are also correct if you say you remember the five-star or this four-star, and they never amounted to anything. 
We don't always know why. Sometimes injuries, sometimes they're homesick, sometimes a girlfriend, sometimes they just were misevaluated. You don't always know why. Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not. You are correct that lots of highly ranked guys fall short of those expectations. However, the truth, if you're looking for it, the bottom line, if you will, is that when every single national champion going back decades, plural, has at least one top 10 recruiting class on their roster and usually multiple top 10 recruiting classes on their roster at the time they won the national championship. That applies to those Ohio State teams, those Alabama teams, those Clemson teams. Keep going all the way back, those Florida State teams under Bobby Bowden. The same rule keeps applying. So on National Signing Day Part 2, in case you're curious, who had top 10 classes, according to the experts, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, has that program on the rise. Auburn, Florida, Texas, and Oklahoma. Not a lot of sleepers in there. <laughs> not a lot of blossoming star programs that were not previously on the map. There's a lot of brand names, a lot of winners who are winning again on National Signing Day. It is absolutely, positively not mere coincidence that every single national champion in recent memory had multiple national top 10 recruiting classes on their roster when they won it all. At some point, you got to get your share of the guys that everybody else wants. You can find hidden gems and develop them. You can have a great system. You can be better than at the X's and O's. You do all of that, and you signed your share of all the guys that everybody else wanted. Now you're in the mix for a national championship. We've had a hard time winning ACC and conference titles around here, but for App State lately in the Sun Belt, it's fun to see at least State and Carolina in different ways in different years pull that pendulum back toward the in-state guys again. This year, it was the majority of top 20 high school seniors staying in North Carolina. That does not usually happen. Eight Tar Heels, three Wolfpack signees, 11 out of 20 is a majority, barely, but I'll take what I can get given what I've witnessed over the last 30-plus years. Mac Brown, UNC coach, and once again, a recruiting superpower. Next on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Was, it was fun. Got about an hour of sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Lavelle Moton, NC Central head coach. March Madness media darling. His Eagles surging once again in the MEAC this year. Perhaps a fifth NCAA tournament trip in seven years for Coach Moton. He's just been profiled at theundefeated.com and ESPN.com. More on why. He just had a park named for him in his hometown of Raleigh. Wasn't even allowed to go to this park because it was so dangerous when he was a child. His mom kept him away from it, and now it's named after him. Amazing guy with an amazing story. He'll join us in about 60 minutes. Mac Brown of UNC is joining us momentarily. Dolan Cuff, ESPN and ACC Network, will help us pick over Duke and State and Carolina and Wake Forest and other ACC basketball. Devils over BC last night in Chestnut Hill. Wolfpack at Miami tonight. And, of course, it's Duke at UNC basketball style this Saturday in a resumption of one of the great American sports rivalries really in any sport at any level. And now we have them. Tomorrow, Mac Brown and I will be together in Wilmington 
He, of course, is the featured speaker. I'm just a circus sideshow, but I will be introducing him as the master of ceremonies at the Coach Bill Dooley Education Foundation luncheon tomorrow at Cape Fear Country, Cape Fear uh, Community College in Wilmington, which is sold out, by the way, in large part because Mac Brown is the featured speaker. So now I get to introduce him here as a guest on the David Glenn Show as well. Coach, welcome back. How are you on National Signing Day Part 2? I'm doing great, David. Thank you, and look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Amen. Uh, what makes a great recruiter, Coach? Because we are used to seeing many of the top high school seniors in our state flee the state, and you got, by some accounts, eight of the top 20 or four of the top six and ESPN's number two player, and that doesn't happen by accident. Thank you, David. The first thing you got to have is a great product, and we've got that. The University of North Carolina is a great place. Our fans stepped up and sold out every game. Uh, they were one of uh, only eight universities in the country to sell out every game. Uh, our kids played hard and, and showed the recruits that uh, the future is very, very bright. And then academically here, it's as, it's as good a school as, as anyone in the country. So, um, and, and we want to win with in-state players. That's really, really important to us. Every great player in this state, we want to be at, at this university. and. Um, that's important. And what happened to us before, David, is when we would sign someone from the state and he was really, really good, he would start recruiting other guys. And, and we're hoping that will happen again. Coach, you have shared with us some of just the emotional decisions that you have made in your life, including you and Sally. You know, there is no football team in, what was it, the Bahamas or Bermuda? I forget which one. But there is yeah. one in Chapel Hill, and you guys have an emotional attachment to that. You seem to be a deep thinker sometimes with these big decisions. I've seen recruits like flip a coin, Coach, and then I've seen other recruits take it very seriously and almost think like coaches do where they talk about making a 40-year decision or a 50-year decision rather than a four- or five-year decision. Do you find more serious-minded recruits or are there still the guys that care about your nickname or your school colors or what number they're going to wear or they're flipping coins out there? Uh, we, we find more of them that uh, um, make really solid decisions based on what's best for their future and, and based on what's best for a 40-year decision instead of four. And I think the biggest thing is even the guys that flip a coin, they probably have a two-headed coin <laughs> and they call heads because they, they know what they want to do. But some, some guys like to make it fun in the end and they like to play little games with it and all that. But it's a, it's a very serious decision. It's a very difficult decision for young people, and we always encourage them to, to talk to their, their families and follow their, their families' advice because they love them more than anybody else. And we also tell them to, to listen to their high school coach because he, he cares about their future and, and where they're going. And um, we don't try to influence those people. We try to educate the, the family and the coach on who we are and, and what we've got that are advantages for the young man going forward. But... Uh, other than that, we, we want them to make their decision. Uh, uh, Sally and I laugh when parents say it's his decision totally. Well, 16- and 17-year-olds aren't going to usually decide who they're going to marry without some help. Uh, they're not going to buy their first car or their first house without some help, and they sure shouldn't be deciding where they're going to go to college with, without some help. So we really encourage the high school coaches and the parents to help them. As the father of a 20-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter, I think you are absolutely right 
with that assessment. No eligibility for my kids, Coach. They don't play football. Uh, but I would let them consider UNC with you in charge. He is at Coach Mac Brown. He is the second-year UNC coach, of course, in his second tenure with the Tar Heels. He built back-to-back top 10 teams in the later part of the 1990s and now is back in Chapel Hill. Help us understand, Coach, the talent versus X's, X's and O's aspect of all this. I saw some research that said every national champion for decades had at least one top 10 recruiting class, and, and most of them had multiple top 10 recruiting classes on their roster at the time they won it all. So you can scheme, and you can certain, certainly be good at player development and X's and O's, but it feels like we live in a world where unless you're getting your share of the guys that everybody else wants, uh, you're going to kind of be fighting uphill on Saturdays. Yes, David, we, we all make mistakes. The recruiting services make some mistakes. Yeah. We make mistakes. Uh, every now and then you'll get a, a two-star or somebody who wasn't even evaluated well that will be a superstar. Uh, but by and large, I think everybody knows who the best players are. And I've tried it both ways, David. I've tried coaching with really good players, and I usually coached really well. And I've tried <laughs> coaching with really average to poor players, and I've been an average to poor coach. So there's absolutely no doubt that the better players you have, the better chance you got to win. Mac Brown is joining us. He is the winningest coach in the history of UNC football. Another of the winningest coaches in UNC football history is the late, great Bill Dooley. I've gotten to know his amazing wife, Marie, a little bit over the years at various functions, including tomorrow in Wilmington. She told me coach that like she didn't even have to ask you 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 just said whatever you need to honor the late great Bill Dooley my answer is yes and of course here you are as the featured speaker at that event in his honor tomorrow uh to to what degree I'm trying to put the timetable together to what degree did your paths cross or is most of what you know about the late coach Dooley you know from things you've read and, and heard from others I was around Coach Vince and Coach Bill Dooley a lot, okay. and and they shaped who I am as a football coach a lot, and and they both have always taken care of me. And and in fact, Coach Bill Dooley was the head coach at um, Wake Forest yeah. my first year here. Right, right. So we coached against each other. But even after he got through coaching, so many times, David, I would call and ask his advice on something, or he'd come back to visit here and. And he, he, he was just always great to me, and, and Marie was a great friend. And I remember asking Marie and Coach right after they quit coaching, if you had to do over, what would you do different? And, and something that sticks in my mind that both of them said is uh, enjoy it while you're doing it. It's such a fight, and it's such a grind, and so many coaches are uh, fighting every minute of every day and don't, don't enjoy it. So she, she and Coach both said, you need to enjoy this. And and Coach left such a legacy in college football, even the Dooley name with, with Coach Vince, too. And he left such a legacy in this state and, and in Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, that uh, any time we get to honor him, um, I, I, feel, I feel really blessed. Coach Mac Brown is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Coach, in baseball, a certain batting average, like say 300, is a really good batting average. What's a good batting average in recruiting? Because every football coach I've ever known will say, hey, nobody gets everybody that they want. And yet you have, for example, more than a dozen of the in-state players you went after. Is, you know, is, is 50% a good in-state recruiting batting average? Do you have a, a rule of thumb along those, eyes, along those lines? David, I've always felt like you should get 75% of the guys that you offer in okay. state. 
Now, that doesn't mean that uh, some guys we may not offer that maybe they don't fit academically, maybe they don't fit socially, and people think that we didn't get them. Right. But but maybe we just didn't feel like they fit us. Um, and, and then out of state, I've always felt like you're about 20%. Okay. Uh, because they're they're going to look at their um, state universities first in their in their own state, and that's why you try to build it at home, and then branch out from there. So our rule of thumb is if we can find a player that we feel like can win all the games in the state of North Carolina, we're going to take him. If we feel like there's a better player than that out of state, and the one here is just not quite what we want, then we'll go out of state, and that that's why your your out of state players are are usually pretty special. Because they're better than the ones that you can find at that position in state. So, but that that's been our rule of thumb, and have a footprint from uh, D.C. down to Jacksonville, Florida, and there's a whole lot of football players yeah. in that footprint. I went back, coach. The most dominant college football team I have seen in 34 years of covering this stuff was your 1997 Carolina team that not only went 11-1 and and number four in the final rankings and all that, but just, I mean, you just barely gave up first downs, much less touchdowns with that defense. And I went back and looked, and the majority of your roster was in-state players, and yet it, it felt like two-thirds of your best players were out-of-state players. How much has that changed in, you know, the, the time you were gone? Because I've read that you say, North Carolina high school football's never been better. But I imagine at some point, if, if half your signees are in-state, you'd expect half your stars to also be in-state in the long run, like a Sam Howell quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, the, the only thing that's changed is there are a lot more people in the state of North Carolina and therefore a lot more players. Yeah. So this state is, is much more player-rich now than it was when we left uh, 23 years ago. And, and that's what's so exciting. We've just got to keep... Uh, we got to keep them all in state, and that, that's really for state and Wake and, and Duke and East Carolina and all of us. We we need North Carolina players playing at the universities in this state, and, and I think that's really important to us. Uh, but but just like for uh, a mention of one of those guys, Vonnie Holiday, yeah, he was a great player for us, a long time pro player for us, and he was from South Carolina. Um, but he was a a great defensive lineman at that time, and and he decided to come here, Ryan Sims. Yeah. Uh, a few of those guys like that you, you take because they're great players when they're out of state. Jeff Saturday was a guy from Atlanta, and, and Jeff they thought was undersized. And then when he came out of here, they didn't want to draft him because he was undersized. And I think he played 14 years snapping for Peyton Manning. So, uh, so, so we're still going to look at special young people out of state, but our, our team uh, will be primarily – a team with high school players from this state. Last thing for you, Coach Mack Brown. I know you have another uh, gig on the other side there. Uh, to what degree did your successful season and the emergence of Sam Howell help with this recruiting class? Because I remember you recruiting well even off of one in ten seasons back in Chapel Hill a long, long time ago. Did most of these guys jump on your bandwagon even before you went to a bowl, even before it became clear that Sam Howell and others were kind of changing your direction? David, I think it was a process because last year at this time, people didn't know if people were going to show up in the stands because we didn't yeah. have very good crowds the previous two years. They didn't know if we were going to be any good. Sam had just signed. He'd just gotten in school. We have 13 early enrollees now okay. with 12 more coming in, in in June. We just signed a, a great graduate transfer kicker 
Grayson Atkins from uh, from Furman. But but right now things are much better than they were a year ago. People know our crowds are going to be packed. They know that we're going to win. Uh, they they all want to be part of it now. So. Uh, the, the questions that were unanswerable last year for us, we, we had to build on hope, uh, are real now. And we were a really good football team the last three games of the season, and, and we feel like we'll have more depth this spring. Uh, we've got a challenging schedule for next fall, but it's going to be fun. In fact, we have one of our first team meetings this afternoon at, at uh, 3 o'clock and can't wait. To, we'll show the guys the spring practice schedule. Um, we'll show them the schedule for the next four years, the, the young ones that just got here. So uh, a lot of fun things ahead for us, and, and things are good right now. Recruits are listening, and we've got a lot of guys. Some have already committed to us and some others that are, are going to here soon. Um, and and I, I really feel like that this year's recruiting class will be much better than last year's when we get through. His name is Mac Brown. I'll be introducing him again tomorrow in Wilmington. I am not stalking you, Coach. I do look forward to seeing you, though, and thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. Thank you, David. Always appreciate you having us on, and we'll see you tomorrow. Always, Always a lot of fun. He is on Twitter, at Coach Mac Brown. By some accounts, the Tar Heels had the second-best football recruiting class in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I mean, you all know who would be number one. That would be Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. They have a top-five class nationally again. Uh, they're the ones that have been competing for and twice winning under Dabo, those national championships. Again, those two things are related. Recruiting doesn't guarantee you anything, even when you do it at a top 10 level. However, if you don't occasionally get into that mix, if you don't start getting the guys everybody else wants, it's not mere coincidence that you don't end up winning national championships. So again, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State uh, the consensus top five that I saw at the various recruiting websites. Some have Miami second to Clemson. Some have Florida State second to Clemson. Uh, the others I saw all have Carolina second to Clemson in the football recruiting rankings. And again, in-state after many, many years where the majority of the top high school seniors signed with out-of-state programs, the majority signed with in-state programs. Not a huge majority, but eight of the top 20 to Carolina, three of the top 20 to NC State. I think there's one more who has not yet made his decision. So the majority staying in-state for a change. That should be fun for everybody. And, of course, App State is on, not even on the upswing. They're just dominating since they jumped to the FBS. Charlotte is on the upswing under young coach Will Healy. First bowl in the history of that program, which has only been around for a while. Dave Clawson, a consistent winner at Wake Forest. David Cutcliffe, the best coach at Duke since a guy named Steve Spurrier a long time ago. Mike Houston has ECU's arrow pointed in the right direction. So more good news than usual for our state's college football culture. If you want to see more stuff like this, I canvassed all 130 FBS rosters. Man, was that a whopper of an assignment. And I looked only for North Carolina high school products. Darren, you know my logical brain never rests, right? What do you think? Just throw it. You, you would know this just as a smart, young, Emory and Henry grad, Elon grad school person. You wouldn't have to know anything about sports to know the answer to this question. Whereas we have fun, some of us, following recruiting stuff and I gave you those tidbits you better you better get some highly ranked classes otherwise it's not mere coincidence that you're out of the running for national titles and other great things there is something there even as we can roll our eyes to all the misses for the recruiting analysts and the coaches as well 
what would be a better measuring stick? Seeing who signs the most high-profile guys on signing day or seeing who ends up with the guys who actually produce when they're on campus? Yeah, it would be the latter. Of you, course. You can go straight to the finish line and get better, more accurate results. Heck yes. One is more fun and has some science behind it. The other is just good old-fashioned evidence. Sam Howe was an elite in-state product out of Sun Valley High School in Monroe, North Carolina. And he was committed to Florida State. And the Seminoles had some turbulence. And the Tar Heels hired this Mac Brown guy who's famous as a recruiter and, as the old saying goes, could sell ice to an Eskimo. He is that charming and charismatic. He's very good at such things. And Sam Howe flipped to Carolina. Gee, did that matter at all? Did they, I mean, come on. What might the Tar Heels have been in year one, part two of Mac Brown without Sam Howell? With all due respect to their other good players, and there were others, there's no way they're going to a bowl. No way. Zero chance. They get into one. They, they won it in dominating fashion, and Sam Howell was essential to the, every aspect of that success story, including this record, recruiting branch of the tree. Sam Howell, in-state player. Javante Williams, sophomore running back. Wallace Rose Hill High School here in North Carolina. Dude's a player now. He's a baller. And he's only a sophomore this past season. He's a Tar Heel. Sage Surratt was the best wide receiver in college football produced by the state of North Carolina's high school ranks. He stayed in state. He is a Wake Forest Demon Deacon. He has two years of eligibility remaining, right? So little by little, and for those who are subscribers or want to check it out at theathletic.com, The Athletic Carolina, my National Signing Day post went up today. I literally combed through thousands of college football players. Not literally. I metaphorically combed through thousands of college football players and found the most productive guys at FBS programs. And yes, some of them were within state teams. Charlotte's 49ers had one. ECU had one who made my, quote, starting lineup, the 24 best players, you know, 11 offense, 11 defense, punter, kicker, et cetera. So I built a 24-man roster consisting only of guys, again, not who they play for in college, but based on coming from North Carolina's high school ranks, which some people criticize and other people believe in. And did you know Jeremiah Hall, all Big 12 wide receiver from Oklahoma? Did you know that he's from Vance High School in Charlotte? So I found, like, a Big Ten guy, a Big 12 guy, some SEC guys, of course. But the Wolfpack had three of the best players from my quote-unquote starting lineup. The Tar Heels got three of the best players. Wake had a couple. ECU won. Charlotte won. Um, and on down the line. It, it was really fun for me to do, just as somebody curious. Well, where do these dudes end up? In the end, it was another mixed bag, which we have a lot of when it comes to this high school football culture in our state, college football, lack of championships among the ACC members. Half of the best are playing for in-state programs right now. Half of the best are playing for out-of-state programs. And, of course, that remains part of the reason why our teams don't win more often. We're back after this. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. 
Dallin Cuff was a basketball star at Columbia. He's headed to Chapel Hill. Does he know the difference between those two shades of light blue? There aren't many in college sports who wear those colors. It'll be Duke at Carolina on Saturday. They're throwing a party at top of the hill there. We'll talk basketball, ACC, and otherwise with Dallin Cuff of ESPN and the ACC Network next on the David Glenn Show. Background of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show.